Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. However you may be listening, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or through any of the podcast platforms, thank you for being here. I'm your host, Pete Newbig, the voice of NARPM, and we have a great show today. We have Chris Ty with Pacific Rim Property Management in Washington State to discuss how to successfully create a construction company inside of a PM company. So, Chris, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. So Chris is one of these overachievers, guys, combat vet with uh, 23 years in the Navy. Then he decided that that's not exciting enough. So he decided to become a police officer and walk the beat in San Diego. Then he said, yeah, that's okay, but I want to go get a master's in global leadership from the University of San Diego. So do I call you like Colonel, doctor? Like what, <laughs> what, what do I call you? You know, Just Chris. Just Chris. All right. <laughs> so he also has run the Boston Marathon and he's training currently for an ultra marathon, which I'm an, I'm a three-time Ironman, but ultra marathon is just crazy to me. So he's got an incredible story about moving, a, quitting his job, moving across the country and starting a PM business in a city that he doesn't know anything about. So looking forward to talking to Chris about that. But before we do that, I want to talk about our hot topic, the hot topic today. So my hot topic today is the application process. So I'm a big proponent of first come, first serve versus the multiple applications. So think about this. First come, first serve, meaning somebody comes in, they fill out an application, they pay, they are qualified, they pass the qualifications, we take them, everybody else that's behind them gets their money back, we all move on, no harm, no foul. Now with the multiple applications, some of you guys are taking all four or five of those poor people's money because you want to make a little bit, a little extra ching in your pocket. Oh, look at me, Pete. I made all this money in applications. All you're doing is screwing people because you got these four people. One of them is going to get the deal. And then the other three, uh, thanks for your money. Uh, but you can try this other property we have that's like 16 miles down the road. Or, you know, good luck. Right? So what happens is, who, who's going to put in the, the, the fair housing issue, the fair housing you know, lawsuit. It's not the person that gets the, that gets the property. It's going to be one of the four that didn't get the property. Now it doesn't matter if you put in somebody that has family or is, or is, or is, you know, one of the protected classes. It's the person that was part of the protected class that didn't get it. And let me tell you something. There's nothing more draining on your business than having a lawsuit or some type of complaint with the real estate commission or a fair housing claim. I know this personally because I had a fair housing claim not with my property management, but one of my realtors that didn't use our processes and policies. And next thing you know, I'm the broker. So guess what I got to deal with, right? A fair housing claim. Now we want it, but it, it was a drain. It was a mental strain and it took a lot of time and effort. So I know what you're going to say for you people who get all the applications. And by the way, the ones of you who get the applications and then show it to the owner, 
are just crazy. You are the property manager. You are the one that is there to be the, the voice of reason, if you will. You cannot let your owner who has not, who has no knowledge of fair housing make these decisions. You're the professional. You have to do it. All right. So I know what you're going to say, though. Well, Pete, when we get these four people, right, we have a fiduciary responsibility to our owners. Well, I thought that's what the whole thing about the qualifications was. If I have a, a, a prospect that passes the qualifications, you did your fiduciary responsibility to the owner. Okay, so don't give me that BS. That that's that's BS. So I don't want to play God with with people's applications and then have the have the government come down the full weight of the government on a fair housing claim. Uh uh. So the other the other argument would say, well, if you do first come first serve, well, by the time you get to the second or third person, well, now they're gone because it takes you so long. And my my combat to that is, what's taking you so long? I used to run them in less than a day. So what are you doing? Like how, how, you know, how deep are you getting in? Oh, I got to talk. I got to talk to the previous landlord. Why? It's probably their cousin. That's on the piece of paper anyway. Just go by certain, certain, you know, metrics and then say, that's it. We're in, in or out. I have a, I have a buddy of mine in Austin. He does it in four hours. So don't give me that BS. I can go run two applications back to back and still within 48 hours. If you take all four applications, you still got to run all four of those applications, which means that you're going to have backlog anyway. So, so that, that doesn't hold water. That argument doesn't hold water. So listen, man, I'm a big fan of staying off the government's radar. First come, first serve. And for those of you that are putting those applications in front of your owners, stop it. Stop it. Don't do it. All right. Now, as always, the views and opinions of the host are not necessarily those of NARPM. So don't be going to Gale and the NARPM team and yelling at them. Be more than happy to yell at me. Go to the NARPM discussion board or go to my personal Facebook. Blow me up. I don't care. I'll debate you at the next conference or whenever we meet or on, online. But I'm a big believer of first come, first serve with applications. So, all right. So now let's get to our, our, main, our main stud of the day, our main star here. So, Chris... Appreciate you being here, buddy. Yeah, thank you. And right. he's we're actually doing this from my house, yeah. and he flew in from Washington State. I did, just for this. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you. So tell me more about that story. Like, what made you decide to just quit? I yeah. mean, I know you're in Massachusetts, you're right? Is yeah, that at that saying? time, I was, yeah. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd want to get the heck out of there, too. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about, like, what, what the thought process yeah, was. Yeah, so... You know, we're, we're talking a little bit earlier. I always wanted to have a business, right? And I just didn't know, like, what what I wanted to do. I, I think that, that was holding me back. It's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. I want to start a business. I just don't know what in. And then an opportunity came up to start this business with my buddy in, in Seattle, just outside Seattle. And uh, he was, he's a broker up there. He's got a network of people and we're good friends. And it's along the lines of what I learned as far as construction and managing facilities and things and kind of the skill that I was building up for, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 years prior to this opportunity coming up. But it was just fear fear and worry kind of like paralyzing me. And I was like, man, I want to do it, but it's not the right time because I was, I was in pretty it's never the right times like having a baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, I'll do it next year when I have my finances right or, you know, whatever. But, and then for, you know, my particular job is work for a nonprofit overseeing the facilities and a few other things. And I was just looking at that. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I like where I'm at. I don't want to mess things up here. And I see these projects coming up. I kind of need to be here for that and that and that. But it got to a point where I was grumpy. I was unhappy. 
not necessarily because of the job, it's just because of what was going on inside. And then I just started having these panic attacks. And I didn't know what they were because I never had a panic attack. I used to chase people in the alley with weapons, right? And like, <laughs> I didn't have panic yeah. attacks. You, so combat in Afghanistan and you're, uh, and you're a, a, a police officer in San Diego, no panic attacks ever. No panic attacks And, and uh, here you are, work for a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, behind a desk, I'm having panic attacks. So I, you know, initially I thought it was a heart attack. You know, I'm like, man, I'm having a heart attack. And this is right after I ran the Boston Marathon, a week after. And so I went to the doctors, cardiologists and all that stuff. And then I went to a nutritionist and cause I had high blood sugar, I had pre-diabetic, I had high blood pressure and I, I take care of myself. So all these things were weird. And, and the nutritionist says, well, you eat well, I don't know what's going on. I said, well, could it be stress? She goes, do you want to talk to a psychiatrist? I was at the VA. I'm like, I guess so. Let's do it. So I was talking to her wow. for a while. I, I know this is a long story, but what it came down to after I met with the psychiatrist, we talked through a few things and I know I said, I know what I need to do. I need to, I need to, I need to do my own thing. That's in me. I need to yeah. pursue this. You know, we only live once. So I, I went back to work. I couldn't focus. I just told my boss, Hey boss, I need to talk to you on Friday. I want my wife there. I don't want your wife to be there. We went to his office and I just said, I got to go six months, eight months. And then I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. And started my own business. Started your own business. And, and so January came around. We put our house on the market. We got more than what we asked for, which was amazing. We uh, gave away most of our furniture. We put So you basically sold your house, left Massachusetts. Yeah. And have you or your wife ever lived in Seattle before? No, we've been there. We were there for a weekend just to see. Oh, yeah. Just okay. to check things out, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll live here, right? That's like going on one date and getting married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were like, and I'm like, what's Seattle? Like Space Needle? Like, I'm not a Seahawks fan. Like, what's the draw, right? But it's chasing after an opportunity. And it was presented to me. And I'm like, I got to do this. I just yeah. got to do it. Amazing. So, so then another opportunity, or you make an opportunity. So tell me, yeah. what made you decide to start a construction company? So your property management, yep. right? You do a multifamily and single family? Multifamily. Multifamily yeah. mostly. Yeah. All right. And so now, what made you decide, hey, I want to do, do construction? So when we started Pacific Rim, majority of our clients, you know, th there's just a bunch of rundown apartment buildings. The majority of them right off base too, which was amazing because we can work with military families still, which, which is really nice. So the owners are like, hey, we, we want to fix these up. We want something that the people who are renting from us are proud to come home to. And it's also going to attract a different kind of clientele. So were these kind of like Class C type buildings? Yeah, you know, around yeah. there, you know, yeah. but with potential, right? Because yeah. it's not in a really bad Now, do you think if you had a bunch of single family homes, you could have created the construction arm as well? No, I don't think so. Okay. At, at that time, I don't think so. Mainly because, because with the apartment building, there's volume, okay. right? So you have like, okay... I know these people are moving out next right. month, so I can stack that. We can. So it's, it's basically out. number of units. Exactly. Right. So yeah. if you had, how many units did you have at the time? At that time, we had eighty. Only eighty units. Yeah. So if I have three hundred homes. Yeah, you could. You could. You could. Yeah, right. you could. Okay, mm -hmm. so because most of our most of our listeners are going to be single family people for yeah. the most part that do maybe maybe mm -hmm. small multifamily. Sure, yeah. So basically, so if you had a handful of homes, maybe right. about a hundred, two hundred, you can get into this his business yeah so okay so you start you decide that there's an opportunity there what, what was the opportunity that you thought you could capture well we got wind that our our clients were looking for cons construction to do rehab on their units and my my partner and i we've done flips you know he's done a lot more than me 
I don't know, a couple hundred. I've only done a couple. And we did one together when I first got out there to Seattle. And we said, we got the experience, you know, let's just do it. You know, let's start serving them what they want because it's like all in one. If we do the uh, construction and a couple down uh, months down the road, there's an issue with the toilet or the pipes or whatever. We've got awareness of what's going on. We know who who put their hands on that pipe. Were you using third-party contractors to do the work, and you guys were just managing it, or did you have in-house technicians? No, we didn't. We didn't have in-house. We were just subcontracting it to people we have already done work with on our flips. Okay, so basically, you were just doing oversight management, right? Yeah. Of it. Yeah. And everything was going through your company. Yes. So they would mm-hmm. pay your company. You would pay the subs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So by doing a construction company, did you see any advantages? Did up well one did you make any more money and then two did it help you retain clients or did you lose clients if you did a bad job a poor job tell us more about that i think it's an opportunity to get more clients and to maintain your clients because you're you're a one-stop shop if you maintain that trust with them they're going to stay with you right and they don't need to shop around and they know like okay i could just go to chris i know i could talk to him about property management i could talk to him about construction you know there's not you're not dealing with multiple people here so and I forgot the second part of your question. It reduced the churn as well, meaning less clients would leave because you guys were doing a much better job in the construction aspect. Yeah, I, I would say so. And I would say we, we did. There were some clients that, that we did lose out on. They're just expectations. You know, sometimes they're a good fit for people. Sometimes you're not, you know, and yeah. that's with any business. And yeah, I mean, we lost clients not because we did anything wrong per se. It's just the expectations, I think, at the beginning were clear. On our end, I would say we got to take ownership of that. But, you know, you're a growing company. You learn as you go. So for somebody listening here that's thinking yeah. about getting into construction or maintenance, what's the first thing that you think that you would say they should have? Like, do they need to have a lot of, do they need to have the contacts? Do they need to have a lot of, inf- like, a lot of information about how, like, most people don't know what a 110 is versus a 220. Yeah, yeah, Most yeah. property managers. Yeah. So to make it successful, mm-hmm. what, what are the skill sets that they need? And can they hire those skill sets? I would say you, you would have to have an awareness w- of what the need is, right? You have to know, you know, basics of the roof. Why does it, why is a roof important? You know, I learned the difference between 110 and 220 by plugging in my alarm clock into a 220 and exploded. <laughs> so like, you know, I'm not, I don't have a degree in construction. I, I've never swung a hammer to build a house or anything, but I've managed projects before in the construction area. So you really don't need to be, like a construction expert. Do you have to know how much stuff costs? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so you would say like, that's, that's definitely a skill that you would need. How much does, does stuff cost? And then of course you need the subs, you need guys yeah. that can do the work. And, and, and that's important because when you're talking to your client on the property management side, they're going to say, okay, what's my return on investment? How is this, how much is this going to cost? And how much am I going to be able to increase rents? And if you don't have those numbers or increase the value of the property, right. Or increase the value. Cause if they're looking to sell it, they're like, okay, well, you know, you got to increase the rents to increase the value so they can sell it to the next person. Who right. Cause multifamily, you're selling everything on NOI, yeah. which is going to be based on the rents, but on a single family home, single family, we yeah. can, we can basically just like a flip, right? We, exactly. we can increase the value of the home. Right. And so if the owner may mm-hmm. want to do that. So yeah, knowing the prices are good because you're going to be able to have that conversation with the owner. And then you're also going to want to know where do you want to spend the money? You know, do you want to spend the money in a bedroom or in a kitchen and a bathroom? So what's going to give you the most? Always kitchens and bathrooms, right? right? You know, maybe not everyone knows that. Like I didn't, right? So, you know, you just learn as you go. Okay. So 
I have a couple hundred homes. I'm really interested in, in creating construction management. Mm -hmm. Would you do your turns and make readies as well? Or would you just do big construction projects? So I, I, I like, what do you mean? Like, um, like if, what if something just needed paint and carpet? Like, would your, would you go through your construction company no, for that? No, you're just doing major rehabs. Yeah. If it, if we're just doing carpet and paint, it's, it's a maintenance thing. Okay. Maintenance department does that. And then we have it separate. Our maintenance is not our construction completely yeah. separate entities. Do you use internal maintenance for your maintenance staff or do you have third parties? We, we have third parties for that. All third party. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So what would you consider a regular maintenance? Like, let's say somebody moves out. Mm -hmm. Is there, did you have like a, a matrix that said, this is a rehab and a matrix that said, this is a regular turn. Yeah. Like how did your property managers know I should call the construction arm or I should call the maintenance arm? Yeah, that's a good question. We oh, actually, thanks. my first good question <laughs> on my podcast. <laughs> we had, yeah, I see the book traction up there. We, we have our level 10 meeting every Wednesday. Nice. And, so we just came up with this process because we, we brought in our elevation, our construction team into the level 10. And so in our move out spreadsheet, when we go over that in the level 10, one of the columns that says, is this, has it been rehabbed? Yes or no. If it's a yes, then automatically it's just going to be a maintenance, you know, paint. So whatever. you need to know a little bit of history of, exactly. the, of the apartment or yeah. the house. Exactly. Okay. And it hasn't been. If it's um, a no. Then it's a, okay, we're going to do a construction walkthrough a few weeks before they move out. Usually Interesting, that's okay. I'll I do like the walkthrough. I'll look at, you know, patchwork. Does it need flooring? You know, how does the carpet look? You know, cabinets, all, all that stuff. All the big mm -hmm. stuff that are really important, in my opinion, for renters when they step in and they want to say, oh, wow, look at this. I'll go through. I'll take photos. I'll take a video. I'll send it to the owner. I'm like, hey, check this out. They're moving out. I know this hasn't been re rehabbed. But here's what we can do. Here's an example. We got a website of like project summaries on our website. Like I like that. Okay. Before and afters. Here's the scope of work. Right. You know, and then teaming up with. Do you the also give them, hey, this is how much we think we can rent it for without the rehab and what we can rent it for with the rehab? When we talk to the owners initially about like, okay, they're moving out. This is what we can do. We were managing units just two blocks from that. And this is the rents we're getting after construction. You know, and that's so those are two different skill sets, though, mm -hmm. in my mind. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, like the big challenge that we had at our company and I think a lot of people have is that the property manager, they don't know like what stuff goes for the cost. Yeah. Right. right. But they know what the rents go yes, for. And they know right. if they know when this is nice, rents go for this. Right. When it's not nice, rents go for this. Right. The construction manager knows what stuff goes for. Right. But has no idea what the rents go for. Yeah. So. Not everybody's going to have a Chris, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to have to go hire a Chris who might be my construction manager, right? right? right. And I'm going to have to pay that guy some decent money. Mm -hmm. And that guy's going to be busy. He's going to walk all these properties and he's going to do a right. construction review. And I'm guessing you can have him do a make ready punch out list. Like here's if you just want to put lipstick yep. on the pig. Yeah. Here's if you want to go exactly. ahead and, and make it nice. Yeah, right? exactly. Now, Tell me what happens. So that guy goes out. He does this. Now the, the residents are still living there. Great. So you're mm -hmm. not, you're not losing time there. Right. But now that guy, how does, does he work with the property manager to go get the rent analysis or does he know, did you teach him how to go get rent analysis or did you, or are you doing it? Well, so since we're still new, right, it's me, okay. right? I'll go and I'll walk the property. I'll take a look at it. I'll take the photos and the video on the construction side. But, but this, this is when you can kind of blend property manage in, in, into it. Like what you're saying is that I know what the rents are going for. I know what kind of work needs 
to be done in order to get it to a higher level. And we try in our area, what we try to do is like, okay, let's do some construction here. Let's start pushing the rents and see what the market's telling us. You know, if they're still coming at us when we're pushing it up 25, 50, 75 more dollars, then that's an indication. It's another advantage of doing multifamily. Yeah. Because if you're doing multifamily, you kind of know the rent is pretty, yeah. pretty easily. Just sure, what, sure. Are, what are other apartments? Right. right. What are the amenities? Right. But yeah. a single family, it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. And of course, the windshield time on multi on a single family is a little bit more difficult as sure, well. Sure. Right. Yeah. So with you though, you know, the rents, you know, mm. you know, so, and you're directly talking to the owner at that point, or are you going through your property manager at that point? So I, when I talk to the owner, it's going to be on the construction side. And then I'll bring in my assistant, Fernanda. She does my rental analysis for me. And we put it on Asana. I'll take a look at it. I like it. that. Where's that assistant? Is she located? She's in, in Mexico. She's in Mexico? Yeah, okay, she's so she's a virtual assistant? Yeah. So you just taught her how to run comps? Yeah, so what we did was I, w- I was doing them all. And then I said, okay, this is how I do it. I want you to do a couple of them. Show me how it's done. It's called training. Asana. Yeah, exactly. Train her how you want. So that's a great, so you don't have to get the private manager involved. Right. When you're, when you're doing the rehab. Correct. Yeah. So that's interesting because... I don't know if a lot of people would allow their cust- their construction manager talk to the talk to the owner, but you almost have to think of it as a little bit separate business. Yeah, yeah, and we try mm-hmm. to handle it that way. So my wife does a lot of the property management more so than I do, the day to day things like that. So when it comes to construction and the owners start emailing the Pacific Rim, hey, what's the status of our? So Pacific Rim is the manager company. Property Elevation is construction. Construction. Right. So. Let's pause there. Yeah, sure. Any reason why you decided not to just put everything under Pacific Rim and create a separate LLC for elevation? So, yeah, Pacific Rim was just, we started Pacific Rim, my partner, and I was, that's what we were just going to do. And then we had this need for construction. He already had elevation construction for his slips. So, like, let's use elevation. Let's, let's grow this. Let's serve our clients using this construction company. So they're two separate right. entities. So why not just say, screw it, let's just put everything on the Pacific Rim? We've been so busy to, to, we don't have the time to really investigate how that would look at the moment. Okay. You know, we, I, I definitely have thought about that, but at the moment, this is how we're operating. I'm thinking two reasons why you would not go under Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. in my mind. One is now they know that Pacific Rim is doing everything. And believe me, when a client knows you're doing everything, yeah. they feel like you're upcharging stuff. Sure. Right? Where you have a third, you have a, a secondary company. Right. Even though they, they may know it's owned by the same people, they just mentally, it's a little bit different. Sure, yeah. And two, if you ever want to do work for other manager companies, I don't want to see Pacific Rim property management going point. into my, yep. you know, my house yeah. or, or my apartment complex. Right, that's a good point. Right? So yeah. those would be the two th- reasons why mm-hmm. I would, dis- to, you know, separated yep so all right so anyway so go back so your your wife does all the property management yeah so when the owners email pacific rim about hey can i get an update on construction oh yeah let me forward this over to chris or we got another va in mexico alma who does a lot of our invoicing and all that stuff and she updates the owners for me so we just kind of try to like okay yes we are like a family but it's not like so we're, we're not immediate family, we're extended family. So, but there is a line there. How many units again? You're managing about three hundred. About three hundred. Do you feel like you're starting to get stretched thin now because you're the guys go got to go out build all these, you know, all, all the scope of work. Yeah, right? you're mm-hmm. you're talking. You, know, you got a couple of VAs that help, but yeah. are you starting to get stretched? Like, are yeah. you going to need a second, Chris? Yeah, I do. I do. do. Yeah, and, th- and out of those three hundred, you're. 
again, not a lot of windshield time. You're going to 80 units at yeah. a clip, right? Yeah. So uh, my guess is that about 200 units is probably what one person could handle, depending yeah. on how, how many f- turns you have, right? Yeah, right. Because mm-hmm. right. there is a lot of paperwork. And, and uh, do you have a specific software that you guys use for pricing? And second part of that question, so do you use software? And do you force like pricing with your vendors? Like, do you tell them how much, how much you'll pay? Like, how does that work? How's the pricing work? Yeah, so the uh, software we use is Buildertrend. We just got on there. It's a construction software where you do your invoicing, you can do communication. And does it have like a, like almost like Kelly Blue Book pricing for for specific items? That no, that, it doesn't okay, have. It that. does not. Yeah, so yeah. really, it's just almost like a property management software for exactly. Okay. Yeah, there might be more to it than what we're using right now because we just got it a few months ago and we're we're learning. What was it. the name of it again? Buildertrend. Builder trend. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Builder yeah. trend. Okay. The so as far as pricing with our sub subcontractors, so it, it's been very difficult over the last few months just because of the the price of lumber going, going up and down. Yeah, you know, yep. so it's hard to say I'm not going to pay more than this, but you know we've done a lot of projects say like last year, and we're doing the same one bedroom apartment this year, and it's more money. So what I'm doing, I'm taking what they did last year and this year, and I'm, I'm looking at the prices. Alma does this for me. She puts it on a spreadsheet so I can look at column A's last year, column B's this year. What's the difference? And then I'll go back to them and say, can you explain to me why this is more? And we have these conversations back. But this is, this is something the owners don't know. Right. You know when, they, when they're like, hey, how come it's taking so long for my estimate to come to me? And, and I don't want to just say I'm pointing the fingers like, oh, the subconscious is, and we're going back and forth on this. But there's a lot of... You just say I'm, I'm negotiating pricing on your behalf. Yeah, and, and right. I... Yeah, and... Because I see, I mm-hmm. what I've seen in the industry, yep. one of the biggest challenges that I've seen is that most of these property management companies have no idea what pricing should be. Right. They have these vendors, and the vendors creep that price up yeah. over time, and they're not catching it. Yeah. And there's no vendor management, vendor oversight. It's almost like, thank you, vendor, for doing the work for us. Right. Meaning, like, we need the vendors more than they, more than they need us. And yeah. that's not the case. Yeah. Right? Especially when you walk around with two, 300 doors, right? If you have five doors, eh, probably... Probably yeah. the case. Yep. When you walk around with 150, 200 doors, not the case. Yeah. And so we have to hold vendors accountable. We have to Absolutely. have some vendor management. Yeah. So this contractor person, uh, what what what's what would be the role that you would call this this person for 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 inside a Pacific Rim, like the person that's going out and doing the estimate? You just call him an estimator, or yeah. So it wouldn't be Pacific Rim. That would be elevation. Sorry, so yeah. elevation. Yeah. So yeah, just uh, estimator. So, okay, so let's say I own Empire Property Management. I want to hire an estimator, mm-hmm. right? So that estimator, he's going to go out there and he's going to do bids on any make ready we think needs a rehab or or not, right? right? Yeah. If, if it's not a rehab job, like they, the property's brand, property's new, newer, or they did a rehab right. uh, within the last few years, I'm not going there, right? So right. we want to reduce his drive time. Yeah. But that person also has to make sure that he's doing vendor management right. or... For the heavy yes, turns. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, keep the, them the, on their, keep them on their feet. And we've caught, you know, and I, w- I don't, I wouldn't say that they did this on purpose, so they're just being malicious. But you know, we did see some prices increase. Like, hey, you know, this is interior lights. Why is it this much now? Oh, yeah, that must have been an error in my system. Yeah, why don't you fix that for me? You know. So and it's probably some of it's probably legit and some of it's probably like hey I'm trying to get a little extra, if it's extra. legit I want to hear about it and, and tell me okay yeah, prices of flooring went up okay cool how much did it go up you know and so I would say to be honest the the other benefit of having someone like me or me or you know, the model we have is that we have these conversations with the subcontractors the owners don't have to worry about that 
Right. You know, they don't have to worry about like the pricing and things like that, or they don't have that knowledge or background. Now, how do you get the money from the owner? So let's mm. just say you have a $10,000 job. Yeah. Now the subcontractors don't work for Joe owner. They work for Chris Todd. Exactly. So yeah. they're expecting Chris Todd to pay that money. Right. Right. So what's the process on, on the funds? Initially it was, we get a deposit from the owner. We give the full half, half, half deposit. Yeah, half so deposit. You, in this case you have five grand. Yep. Five okay. grand for that. And then we pay the subcontractor what they're up front, right? Cause they all, front. they, yeah, they, Material they can labor, yep. things like that. They need to make orders. Yep. So that's what we started at the beginning and we still do that. We still do that. We, we do our best to do that. There are some contractors that we work with who say, you know, I know the money's coming because we've done 20 of these with you already. We're right. just going to get ahead and get started. And just when the money comes in, pay until, us. until one day the owner doesn't pay. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> Stick to your policy. We, we've so, got a couple of owners that we have a lot of trust in. I get it. We yeah. all do. Yeah. But, so, okay. So now you pay them the five grand up front. They go yeah. get the material. How long does it take them to do a, a, a normal job? Because I know turns take, you know, maybe they take three, four days. Yeah. Are we talking like two weeks for something like this? Because it's a little bit more of a rehab. I would say a one bedroom apartment, you know, assuming, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen, right? Oh, you know, this oven's broken and the refrigerator's broken. The owner wants to get stainless steel and it might take a month or two to get in or, yeah. you know, whatever. Right. And then lately, a lot of supplies have been slow to get. So oh, but tell me about it. I'm waiting in an oven for like 90 days. Yeah. My poor tenant. <laughs> so it's just assuming everything's going to work the way it's supposed to. It can be done in two weeks. You know, one bedroom, two bedroom apartment okay. that's got LVP, new cabinets. So when they go in and they're almost done, is that when you get the next five grand from the owner or like how are you getting that next, that next? I'm batch? not going to ask the owner. So we, we get a progress payment of 25% when we're about 75% done. Okay. And then what we do is we go in every week, take some photos like, Hey, and we put it up on builder trend. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And they have access to the builder trend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's a lot of work for you, man. I mean, you're going to these houses a couple of times now. I'm going in there often. Yeah. And it is a lot of work, but I mean, a lot of our owners, majority of them are offsite. They're in New York or they're sure. wherever. And I, you know, put myself in their shoes. I'd be like, man. So pictures and videos. Yes. Right. I, I want to see what's going on. I'm excited. You know, this is my first investment. I want to know what's going on. I want my right. fingerprints all over this. So they, I get it. Okay. So you do the progress report, you yeah. show them, they pay the extra 2,500 mm -hmm. and it's complete. You're going back out there again. Yep. And you're going there with a tick list, checklist, make sure blue everything's tape. done? Go in there with blue tape. Oh, okay. tell me more about blue tape. Yeah, you know, just painter's tape. You go in there, you, yep. you say, oh, I guess, you know, you got to do patchwork here. We talked about this. You guys didn't do it. Let's do that. I didn't like that light. I asked for LED. You didn't put LED in there. Do that one. You know, you didn't put Schluter in the tile like we asked. So what are you going to do about that? You know, get that fixed. You know, different things like that. Right. Uh, it'll be the final walkthrough. Initially, it was a little difficult, but since we have a kind of a template of what we do, it's gotten a lot easier with the final walkthrough. But yeah, that's typically what we do. And we don't, we don't pay the vendor until we do that final walkthrough and we're good to go and we don't ask the owner and for the money. They come back, they fix all the blue tape stuff. Yeah. That's when you go ahead and get the final, yeah. final payment. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So you're limiting your exposure to basically 25%. Because the job's done. And yeah. If the, like, all right, the owner doesn't pay. Because if the job's, if the owner doesn't pay, Halfway through, you're going to stop. Exactly. You're yeah, going to yeah, stop, yeah. right? Like, right. right. And, and, you know, it's, it's a good point because that's one thing that we haven't done is that, you know, we do have a few owners a little little behind, but we want the project done because we're vested interest, right? Because property <laughs> management. I get it. Right? So you want to get the thing leased in, up? I get it. We're not going to get paid on and property that's what, management. That's side. what gets us in trouble yeah. as property managers. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
God, I can tell you, I paid for a roof once. I've done that. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lesson learned. It is. You know, like I said, once. Once, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Once. A good lesson to learn. Now, the challenge that we have with single family homes is mm-hmm. when you do a rehab, it's not just, you know, an apartment is only so many pieces of it, right? Yeah. You probably don't have a boiler. You probably don't have an AC unit, mm-hmm. right? So how would you suggest, like, can one sub go get the contractor and he can sub out the roof, the AC, the no. appliance? So you got to deal with like three or four subs. I got to deal with the roofer guy, the foundation guy, the the general guy. Yeah. yeah. The reason why I don't do that is because you, you work with someone like that. And so let's say I work with one subcontractor. He's got HVAC, roof guy, window guy, right? So they work through him. He's going to do his markup. Then he's going to come to me, right? Right. So I want to eliminate that markup. Right. I'm going to keep the cost down. So I'm going to get my own roofer that I know and I trust. And I know he's going to do a good job. Yeah. So basically what you're doing is like when I call my guy mm-hmm. and he uses subs, right? He's got the markup. So you're cutting the middleman out, yeah. but you got to forge those relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you get those relationships? Just over time, you know, Just go to home Depot. And, <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, you guys, uh, I, you know, I haven't done that. Um, the good thing, my, my partner, Kikoa, had a lot of relationships before I moved out there with a lot of the flips that he was doing. Right. It's um, just trial and error. You just gotta, you just gotta find some people, people we use. We're like, Oh my gosh, they, they didn't do a very good job. There, then, you know, there's Facebook groups, you know, uh, oh, real estate investment Facebook groups. So like, you know, you can search, hey, I'm looking for a roofer or whatever That's it might brilliant. be. brilliant. I never yeah. thought of that. Like wholesalers, like mm-hmm. you can find people from wholesalers that are doing, yeah, uh, or anybody's doing fix and flips. Yeah. You yeah. can use their, you can use their resources because exactly. those guys may do three or four fix and flips a, a year. Right. So they don't have enough work to get these guys busy. Like exactly. I can tell as a property manager with 900 homes, I didn't want to give my painter to any other property manager yeah, exactly. or my plumber. Yeah. I had enough work for him to do, <laughs> yeah. you know? That's funny. So, but, yeah. but these guys would probably give those those resources. They do because they don't do, they don't have the volume that we right. have, right? So, but that, that, yeah. So I've got a couple of roofers that I like. I got a couple of painters that I like because right. sometimes I'll go to my, my painter, Nate, or hey, can you do this job? Booked up until, you know, November. I need to get it done sooner. Then I'll go down the line. And then sometimes it's like, okay, it's slow, but okay, who can give me the best price? I know you all do a great job. Who's going to give me the best price? You want to only have a couple, right? Two or three guys because yeah. you don't have enough work for five or seven guys, right? And you want to make sure like when you have work, the guys get it done. Yeah. They're, they're not hitting you for payment. They're going to work within right. your with, within your processes, it, right? Yeah, it all depends. Like, you know, we don't have roofs all the time. We don't have painting all the time, you know, exterior painting. But what we have plenty of is interior work right now. So we have right. several teams working with us right now. Got it. How long have you guys started the construction business now? How long has it been? June, July, August, September. So it's been 16 months. Okay, so about a year and a half in. Yeah. Uh, profitable yet? Yes. It's profitable. Yeah. Now, because you're just using subs, I'm mm. assuming you don't have a storage unit full of all this stuff, right? You don't have paint or anything like that. Yeah. Do you try to use the same type of, of hardware and paint for yes. each one of these? these? And okay. we do that with this in mind for on the property management side. Is that if if we know that you know all these units in this apartment complex is agreeable gray, well, okay, hey Socrates, we're gonna do this tenant's moving out, needs some painting. Okay, I'm gonna gear up some agreeable gray. Boom, knock it out. Makes it easy. Makes it easy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we also give the choice to the owners too. We don't just force it on them. It's like, hey, this is what we're doing. Here's a, an example. Here's some photos and a video of what we've done. You know, on our website. And a lot of times they're like, okay, I like that. But sometimes like you know, I kind of like the brown color, so we'll go with a brown theme. So basically, your overhead is the estimator guy, yeah, who is you right now, mm-hmm. 
and then maybe a VA or two. Yeah. And the software. Software, insurance, you know. So just, you have to have different insurance because it's a different company. So yeah. you have to have your liability insurance. Insurance. And then we got a truck, so insurance for the truck. Yeah. So our overhead is low. Who, who's driving a truck? You are, though. I am at the okay. moment, yeah. So you don't need a truck, just be, be clear. Yeah, well, it's cool. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not a it's it's an old it's man truck, man. I got a 2003 uh, GMC. It's not a cool truck. I feel like an old man in that thing. But hey, it works, right? That's right. It gets the job done. But yeah, our overhead is low. Right. And when I say, you know, because of our relationships, because of, you know, we want that trust, we want to have everything in house. We fight for the best pricing with our subcontractors. And so if you get best pricing, can you mark it up a little bit more? Like instead of marking up 10%, can you do 12 on some of your jobs or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say you got to look at the history. What's the range the on the markup typically? It, it all depends. Sometimes you, you have a client that you do volumes with and you, you hook them up with maybe a 10%. Okay. But, but that's, that's the low end is about 10%. Yeah. I would say a low end. So anywhere from 10 to 20, mm-hmm. would that be fair? Yeah. I'd say 10, that's fair. 10 to 20. Oh, that's, okay. I think that's fair. All right. And an average job cost? Uh, five grand, ten grand. What's what's the average? So, like a one. Be- let's just say a one bedroom apartment where you're going to do LVP, painting the counters, quartz countertops, sh- uh, tile shower surround, reglazing the tub, new toilet, and things like that. You starting to sound like a construction <laughs> guy. <laughs> I do. I do a million of these, man. But something like that, where we are in Washington, if we're talking with tax, looking about eighteen grand. Okay, so let's call it twenty at ten percent. That's two grand. Uh, that that's that's with our markup. That's your markup. Yeah. So you, anyway, so your markup is basically anywhere from about fifteen hundred to two grand. Let's just call it. Yeah, depending right? on the project. And so, and and how many projects are you doing a month right now? Goodness, man. So it's funny. I, I need to know this number, but we're at currently we're probably doing about fifteen projects at the moment. Yeah. We've got a, so a million let's just say you bring in thirty forty thousand a year. Uh, I'm sorry, a month in in, in revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Not not total revenue because. The job, you know, in, in basically in profit. Yeah. Profit minus the job or whatever. And then you just got to pay a few salaries. So it's very profitable. Yeah. The way you have it set up is very profitable. The, the, so the challenge is, and I'm not sure if I was telling you this earlier. I was telling you a little about, about this earlier, but on, in the construction world, cash flow is very hard to manage or to watch because you're going to get deposits for five projects in March. <laughs> and, oh, look at the bank. It looks great, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the project takes six you weeks. You got to run a crew accounting. You can't, yeah. you can't run cash-based accounting. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that's something I'm learning, right? And so if you don't, if you don't keep an eye on that, you're just, you're like, okay, everything's great next month. Oh my gosh, are we going to make payroll? I don't know, you know? <laughs> right. So that, that's part of managing the business. But, but yeah, it's, it's, our overhead is low. We don't do big markups because our overhead is low. And, and be based on our relationships with our clients already. Nice. Well, listen, I appreciate that. That's great information. We're going to go to a commercial break real quick, and then we're going to come to the lightning round. All right? So stay tuned as, a, as you hear a word from our sponsors. Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistance for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. 
And the best part? VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. So we're going to do the lightning round. You yeah. ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. The lightning round. <laughs> All right. What PM software do you use? Propertyware. What is your current organizational structure? Portfolio. Is it portfolio-based, hybrid? Oh, portfolio-based. Portfolio-based. Yeah. Okay. Do you use virtual assistants? Yes, a lot. Do you have BDMs? No. So you don't have salespeople. You're the sales guy. I am. All right. What is a piece of advice? What is one piece of advice you would give someone just starting out in the PM business? Don't take things personal. How's that? Okay. I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Actually. All right. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes. No, it does not. <laughs> we get this. We'll, this, we'll debate that pineapple one tonight. On we have a beer. <laughs> All right. What book are you currently reading or one that has impacted your business or life? So I would say The Last Arrow by Erwin McManus. Okay. Yeah. All right. You'll have to tell me more about I'll that. I'll tell one you about it. It's an awesome okay. book, man. It, 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 it's what led me to quit and, and come out here and, and start. Psychiatrist gives you that one? Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, what comic book character do you most associate with? Oh, dude. Come on, Batman, right? It's got to be an easy one. Oh, yeah, one. that's cool. My, uh, my nickname on the Carl Vinson was Batman. Was it really? It was Batman, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hell, that was a layup for you. <laughs> what is one challenge you're currently facing in your business? Mm, I'm trying to pick one. One, right? We always have too many. We always have many. Yeah, I would say systems. Systems? Yeah. Yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah. Dog guy or cat guy? Dogs. Dog guy. All right, well, listen, if they wanted to get in touch with you, mm -hmm. uh, how, how can people get in touch with you? I'm not good on email, so don't email me. If you do, then my assistant will, will see it, not me. Let's go with Facebook, Pacific Rent Property Management. I don't know what of our Facebook page is on there. Look for me, Chris Time, on Facebook. And that's T-I-G-H-E. T-I-G-H-E, yeah. And then I think C-T-I-G-H-E is five is my Instagram. I'm not sure my personal one, but just look for me on Pacific Rim. I'm the only one that does videos and all that stuff in Pacific Rim, so you'll see me there. Awesome. Appreciate yeah. it. And also, what, we talked about the ultra marathon real quick. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. can you tell me a little bit about, like, you're, do, you're, you're doing this to, to drum up some money for a great yeah. cause. Yeah, thanks for bringing this up. Yep. I hate running. And when I left the military, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to run more than a 5K. But then I had this opportunity to run these marathons. And I said, you know, I can't do it for me. I got to do it for something I care about. And I'm, I'm a military guy. I'm a police guy. I love dogs, especially uh, working dogs. So Mike Ritland, uh, a retired Navy SEAL, started this foundation called the Warrior Dog Foundation. And what they do is take care of retired police and military dogs. And not everyone really thinks about that. When a dog retires, what happens to them? Well, yeah. they got to live life too. Right. And they, they, they're trained for a certain skill and they just can't go to anybody's home and be a dog. Right. They need someone to take care of them. 
So, and then, you know, because nobody really knows that, you know, the funding is kind of low. So I'm like, I'm going to run and make money for the Warrior Dog Foundation. That's what I'm going to do. And if somebody wanted to donate to your cause? Go to the warriordogfoundation.org. There's a, a page, landing page for the Marine Corps Marathon. You can donate there. Excellent. My name is Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions. And if you're looking for virtual assistance, go to our site, vpmsolutions.com. And signing off, appreciate you, everybody. Until next time, see you soon. Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today. This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org. 